Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Nobu Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and music and animation, specifically where these two worlds meet by examining what is known as virtual bands. To hash it out, I am joined by one of our music supervisors, my musical partner in crime, and yes, my very own virtual idol. And that is Mr. Joe Michaelette. Joe, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Novo. Happy to be here. I'm excited. This is a great topic. I know. We um, we got to tell the good people how we got here. This is important before <laughs> I go into my thesis and background. So um, Joe, me and Joe were talking, and uh, we, we were um, kind of joking around having a show about death clock uh joe joe said to me hey novo i i god i remember hearing you talking about death clock in some episode we should do that and of course once we start doing our homework our research we learned that this rabbit hole goes so much deeper than we thought right it's crazy and yeah, and that's how we landed on virtual bands because that's what Death Clock is, yeah. and we'll get to why and what it is, and and really um, try to dissect the history. And then I also, I've of course, I've framed it in the best way I can, uh, but it it turned into something bigger, right, Joe? It oh, was yeah. at first it was like let's do an episode on Death Clock, and then it's like, well, what is Death Clock, and how did we get here, and what is it? Not only musically, but but artistically, and obviously the animation around it. So. Here, here goes. So virtual bands, you know, the reason we're talking about it today is virtual bands hold a unique position in the arts after I really examined it, researched it, did my homework as they combine a variety of mediums, right? And those mediums, just like the band, take on a life of their own in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's its own art form. It's a weird little niche, but it's huge. It it it's grown exponentially since the fifties. You know when we when we're when we were talking about it in our pre shows and and before we decided to do this episode today, me and Joe, we 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 couldn't think of a ton of acts besides the obvious. And then when we started to learn about the history, we we had so many aha moments. So we hope that when we <laughs> I I hope that with this piece, you guys will have that. Oh my God! Like oh oh, they were the first, and this is where it came from. And all this shit. There's so many things you don't think about being a virtual band, and then you just go, oh yeah, oh, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Those those aha moments. But before we get there, of course, we need a little background. So virtual bands are essentially fictitious music groups who whose members are not depicted as actual living musicians or by the people that produce the music uh, oftentimes, rather by an animated avatar or set of avatars, either as an animated form of the original artist or as a completely fictitious virtual band like the Gorillas or Death Clock, even credited as the true artists of the work, even in the real world or at the least in their own world. Uh, complete with their own history and lore. So the music is recorded, and in this case, and and in the case of concerts, performed by actual human musicians and producers, while the media related to the virtual band, including albums, video clips, just any visual component of of literally anything, the stage performances, et cetera, uh, features the animated lineup. Now, these actually, as we're doing our homework for this, we learned that this uh, there's a lot of different kinds of virtual bands a lot of different categories and just to give you a few of them that includes the virtual idol mainly in japan virtual singer virtual group cartoon group cartoon idol cartoon singer or the cartoon band now this is where we uh, have to discuss but before we do of course we need a word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by liquid iv Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late 
late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're gonna love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. So, uh, Joe, I'm gonna bring back Joe here in a minute. The, the way I wanted to frame this guy we're going to start, obviously, the most well-known acts are the ones already in the West, but there is a huge market in the East. So I want to start with the East yeah. and kind of work our way over to what we know here in the West. For sure. And we're going to do that through two categories, and that is the computer-generated virtual bands, or often called the virtual idols or singers in the, in the West, or excuse me, in the East. And then we're going to probably start going towards more of the hand-drawn stuff we see in the West that's been popularized over here and land on what I would consider the most prolific virtual band of all fucking time. So we're going to start with the computer-generated computer side in the East. And we see things like Hatsune Miku, Juju Eyeballs, Crazy Frog, Ginchi Rockets, Gummy Bear, Gummy Bar, Pinocchio, The Bot, Studio Killers. And uh, more recently with uh, is the Squid Sisters or Off the Hook from the game Splatoon, Strawberry, Flower from Pikmin. And of course, we will let it, we will talk about this in Beat Cats and KDA and Hollow Life. And um, this is probably where I want to start the discussion with Joe is we talked about this in our pre-show a little bit, but I want I want to hear more more because where is the chicken and the egg like the more i hear the more i i got into this stuff the more i realized okay this is just traditional j-pop uh or japanese pop or k-pop or korean pop it's hard to know if these bands originated with the idea that they were going to be virtual or if they started with the music and a performer and just had this idea and said hey what if we animate this like wouldn't that be fun? We could do anything we want with it. Yeah, you really don't know what what came first. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Because I feel like we're we're probably going to use the gold standards here. Let's go ahead and use the gold standards, which is acts uh, uh, like Death Clock and the Gorillas. Because I feel like Death Clock is a perfect example of we had. Uh, We'll call it the egg first, where they they created the mythos of the characters, and they, we knew it was a metal band. So of course, the music had to be tied to that but i feel like the gorillas is the other side of that coin yeah where it seems like damon alborn and his and we'll talk about his other um producers the other people that helped him build this world it seems like they had a lot of music and a lot of things they wanted to explore that he didn't want to do in blur that's where he came from and um i obviously wanted to work with him pop structures and hip-hop and a lot of different genre bending kind of song structures and i feel like they started there, like, let's write the music and then let's add the imagery secondhand. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with those two groups in particular. Um, and I I would imagine a lot of this started with the music yeah. and went into the creation of a character to perform the music. Or, you know, I'd be curious to find out how much of it is... You know, this performer's got stage fright. They can't be on stage. We're going to mm. hide them. Or this performer can't show up to anything. So we're just going to take them completely out. We're going to use their music and just make a character. I never thought about it that, that way. That's a good point. You know, a lot of artists have performance anxiety. Some of the most famous are like, I have fucking stage fright. Oh, like yeah. they are so scared to be in front of people. And maybe this was a way to kind of uh shield them and let the what i think is nice on the on i guess within that realm is the fact that they it's kind of creative freedom too i mean like yeah. oh, music's already creative freedom and being an artist is already creative freedom but sometimes people get stuck in a lane or they're put into a box right there and i feel like with this they can they can really do anything because it's like oh that's not me that's the characters right? and it keeps some uh anonymity too and i think that might be a big factor in this as well is the person who is the artist is not particularly famous it's their character that's famous and exactly i wonder yeah. how much that plays a role in it as well as you know you might have a talented artist who's like hey i just don't want to be famous i don't want to get 
like mobbed on the street by paparazzi. So let's make this creative character who is my person. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a, an interesting no, no. topic. This whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I no. I that's perfect because that's that's fucking Novo Day. Like I, yeah, I yeah. actually have a little bit of a fear. You of, in a nutshell. Of, yeah, I have a little bit of a fear of. Um, you know, extreme Justin Bieber, Billie Eilish level fame. I don't, I mean, I have no delusions of grandeur. Well, I don't think we're going to get there. I think you're pretty there. much already there, so. <laughs> yeah, I know they're big fans. Justin, <laughs> Billy, you know, um, tweet at us. We'd love to have you on the show. Those if, are the two uh, fans that listen to this show. Yeah, <laughs> the two like huge <laughs> mega fans that, well, that, I mean, uh, that made me think of people like that. I was trying to think of, you know, in my my generation, it was Tom Cruise or or Michael Jordan were examples of people that couldn't even go to the fucking grocery store without yeah. being mobbed by people. And now I, I always try to think of modern examples and it's got to be like Justin Bieber and Billie Eilish. Oh, and I'm like sure. Fucking, and you see them you know, all go off Ariana the deep Grande. end at some point, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's scary to think I can't go to the grocery store or whatever. Right, yeah. So just, just to pull it back, let's do a Novo pullback um, that this is this is a good way to make your art with with that protection right yeah and um let's pull it way way back i'm glad we went <laughs> off the deep end a little bit with the tangent but uh let's go back to japanese virtual idols yeah. because the verse the verse virtual idol little history is in 1982 with a character named lin min minmay and this character of course is from Super Dimension Fortress Ma- Macros, um, such a that Japanese anime title. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. This is voiced by Mary Lejima. Uh, again, my apologies if I'm butchering any of these names. But um, did you, I mean, I the homework I did, you know, and like what's great about things like Spotify and stuff, there's already so many lists dedicated yeah. to this. Yeah. Like, and I would just like put a list on. A lot of it was like Gorilla's Death Clock, the, mo- the w- more well-known Western stuff. Right, right. But uh, I would listen to a little bit of uh, J-pop and K-pop versions of these virtual idols. And it's exactly what you think it is, right? It's pop music. It's just it's just this formulaic fucking, you know, two <laughs> me and Buck always joke about like the two Swedish guys that make all pop music. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's made by these same dudes. Right. Um, was there anything that stood out to you? Did you like any of it where you're like, oh, OK, I'm getting off on this shit. The one that I really did enjoy and I. I think we'll get there later was one T I thought was super hip. Oh, okay. Um, okay, cool. Most of the rest of this was so cookie cutter. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. J pop, K pop vibes that I didn't, I didn't mind Hatsune Miku. Um, I, yeah. One I, of the most famous. Yeah. Singers, I didn't like, think on that the was planet, right? unlistenable, yeah. but I mean, this stuff like gummy bear, I I got about halfway through two songs and I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is just, <laughs> I'm never going to say it's well, bad it's, music, it's, uh, but it's just not for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, we uh, we pride ourselves on uh, AOTB as, as people that, you know, we want to always put a positive spin on things. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, this isn't easy to make, right? It's still yeah. music. Oh, yeah. It's still, even though the production values are so polished, right? That's so perfect. Yeah. And, um, you know, Pro Tools is doing a lot of heavy lifting to make this sound exactly the way the producers wanted. But there is an art to that as well, as much as... Um, There's value there. Yeah, as much as it's not ever going to be our fucking cup cup of tea, um, there is value there. That's a good way to put it. And um, but like I guess um, you said it best, cookie cutter. Yeah, you could you could cu- you could uh, move any of these songs from any of these albums and put them anywhere, and it'll sound exactly the same. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I the Squid Sisters? Did you watch any of them? No, no. I, I feel like they're so... And this is part of the beauty of this episode. The the, the rabbit hole was so deep. Oh, I was like, I didn't... I was like, there's so many things. Like, we urge, you, you know, you guys listening, yeah, go to a playlist on Spotify or YouTube list. I mean, you will... There's there's such a rabbit hole to fall into here. Yeah, go, go dig deep because there is a deep hole. Yeah, Squid Sisters was... Was They're, it good? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. Tell the good people. Sell it to us. It was interesting to sing watch. a little bit. I'll say, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I would say I would say it's worth watching, but their voices are so uh, just yeah. squeaky, annoying. Oh, that, like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, kind of, like the voices kind of are awful. But the like, I watched a live concert of theirs, and it was really interesting to watch because they they have these two basically animated characters up on stage dancing and 
doing all these. Well, that's the wave of the future, right? And... We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry, jumping ahead. Conclusion. No, 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 it's good. It's good. This is, what, this is how we do these things. It's, it's, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but isn't that, that's the wave of the future. When we talk about things like the metaverse and how, you know, we're starting to see concerts like in fucking, um, you know, games and stuff now. Yeah. Um, that uh, this is, it's a scary thing. Cause you know, on one hand it's, you know, living in this history, it doesn't seem like it's a relatively new medium, but it is. It's only been around for 70-ish years. And I think I personally, I don't know how you feel. You can you can give me your, your two cents here in a minute. But I feel like this, we could continue to veer towards this direction of uh, music and animation. Like virtual bands will be bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I don't disagree. And this, I hadn't even thought about this until just now when you were talking Um with virtual reality, like the VR headsets and stuff, yeah, there's gonna. I mean, you could do an you could do awesome things with an animated group and a virtual concert. Yeah, because you could still play them. You could still play the stuff live, but whatever, yeah, gear you have on is being acted out by the virtual avatar. Yeah, right. Yeah, it would. Like, and that's who came. Like maybe the audience came to see them, kind of like the gorillas or Death Clock or whoever. And you could do immersive worlds and all sorts of. Yeah. I'm actually kind of excited now thinking about that because <laughs> that could be amazing. It could be amazing. Uh, again, scary. It you is, know, we, um, me and Philip talked about this a little bit in the Is It Art episode where uh, we talked about the metaverse and like, if, as long as we have the balance, you know, right. of of. Um, you know, our real lives, yeah. and our virtual lives, and not just doing this dystopian uh, fucking uh, complete all-in decision <laughs> of just being like, well, this is my life now inside this virtual realm. I think we'll be fine. The, the Ready Player uh, One scenario yeah, the Ready is a little Player scary. One. Yeah, very sure. scary. Uh, and that brings us to, of course, the second virtual idol, or most famous one of the Japanese virtual idols, and that is Eve from Anime Megazone 23, depicted as an AI. And uh, this was um, the <laughs> this was the beginning, the beginning of something, the beginning of the end, as the <laughs> Japanese talent agency Horo. Hori Pro created the first real life AI virtual idol named Kyoko Date mm. in 1995. And um, so th there was a animated version of an AI that was a virtual idol, and then they created a real one, which is crazy. And that leads us to what uh, Joe has already stated uh, some of the most famous contemporary Vocaloid singers, and that is Hatsune Miko and Kuzuna. Again, I apologize if I'm butchering that. I probably am, but tough titties. That's that's what we got to work with. Uh, anyways, so uh, yeah, I um, that uh, brings us to the West, and what we see more over here versus way over there is the hand drawn stuff. And what what I think what the, what the coolest thing about the history to me is is something that is definitely has always been in our lexicon and and probably artistic orbits is Alvin and the Chipmunks in 1958 was the very very first and recorded history virtual band. That's crazy. It's and that was one of the ones that popped up when we were planning this episode was you know how many bands That was are the there? aha. And you go, right. Oh my gosh, of course all I, of these I, all I of I forgot these about Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. yeah. And they're still, you know you can never get those voices out of your head once you've heard it. Well, creator Ross Bagdasarian created the, the iconic chipmunk voice by just accelerating his vocal. I, yeah, we, I, I, it makes sense. Like, it's like, oh, fucking, of course. Like, you know, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, where uh, you look back and you're like, oh, that's how they made that. How simple of a thing. I think right, yeah. uh, with our uh, contemporary uh, artistic mediums being... You know the voiceover actor, like Philip, the voice, the the voice narrator. I thought, I thought he was creating that voice naturally. I didn't think there was like a production element involved. And so to learn that, I was like, of course, that that makes total sense. Yeah, that's but, that's interesting. I didn't know that before looking it up. Um, and I wonder too how much more of a challenge that was back in the time that it was created than it would be to do now. You know what I mean? Wait, what? No, 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 no. Elaborate. The, what do you mean? I just feel like the accelerating your voice with the technology from the you know late fifties, early sixties. So they had tape. Yeah, right? you're doing everything now on tape, digital. which you know it probably wasn't that hard. You probably just hit a button and it did it for you. But even thinking to do that and creating a band out of it is just it's genius in an art world, and it was right an amazing it, thing. 
and it's funny because you know we look at Alvin and the Chipmunks, and we don't. I I think it gets a bad rap because you know <laughs> this was um, not only the voice. I mean, and the music behind it is very kid friendly and family friendly, and I don't think it. I don't think it has. It's not part of the Disney family, but you know, it's kind of in that same um, lane or realm as those kind of works. But I, I think you know, we, yeah, we don't, we take it for granted, right? We don't, look, we don't take a step back and look at the big picture. That this guy had to have so much vision to not only write, record, produce music, but then he wanted uh, it to have its own mythos and history, and he did that through the animated characters and then making them be the centerpiece and them being the actual act instead of. Uh, Ross Beck Desarian. I had never even heard of that name <laughs> until I looked up this episode or I looked, uh, you know, did the research for this episode. And, um, you know, uh, kudos, right? Yeah. To, to have such a vision. I mean, he created a, 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 its own art. And do you know, did you find, uh, I'm going to ask the chicken and the egg question. Did, ooh, this, ooh, go, did, go. The, did the show come from a desire to do the music or did they just decide this group of tiny chipmunk chipmunks is a band and we should write some music for it. How are we going to make that happen? I think it's I think it's the first one. I don't I don't know the history for uh, for the record. Full disclosure. If anybody does, again, always tweet at us, email us, whatever. Uh, we like to be cor- corrected on this show. Uh, so we can, uh, yeah, correct. Uh, not only, you know, we're students. I like to learn new <laughs> things, but but just to, uh, yeah, be corrected. I don't know. I think it's the first one, though, for me. Yeah, I I think you're right there. It's it's just so curious. You can almost ask that question about any of these any of these groups. Well, uh, that brings us to the Archies in 1968, and then all of the Hanna Barbera, you know, uh, copycats, starting with Josie and the Pussycats, which is a so great, <laughs> this is very very fitting. <laughs> the Catanooga Cats, the Impossible Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kids, and uh, Jabberjob. I didn't, you know, like we were joked about earlier, we're so much, there was so much to dive into. I didn't get a chance to listen to all of this stuff. It was more of the modern stuff. Yeah. Um, especially when we get into like the League of Legends and the World of Warcraft type of bands. But uh, I found what's interesting in the history that a lot of people consider puppeteering, you know, like the Muppets as a form of virtual bands. So they they think of 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 puppets, like puppeteering as... Um, a form of animation. So when they are having full on, you know, renditions of songs or their own songs with the Muppets and their histories of movies and stuff, they consider those virtual bands. I found that interesting. I'm on the fence personally about that. Um, <laughs> I feel like it Ooh, needs its own, why? its own name. Like it needs to be its own category almost. Because they're puppets and they're not hand drawn or computer generated. Right, right, exactly. Like they're not animated in any way. I guess well, there are animated. They are. Technically, they technically are animated by someone's manipulated hand. Maybe. Yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. <laughs> we can call them Ooh, the manipulated good. puppet bands because that's or like, uh, or like yeah, the banana splits was so body yeah, not virtual. That's true. Yeah. So not virtual bands, but manipulated bands. But then that's, ooh, that sounds kind of dark. Like this is, <laughs> this is getting dark. The manipulated band. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That leads us into the banana splits. And then one that I had, that's been on my radar. Like I've seen it so many pop, pop culture type of things. And they even eventually made a live action movie, which was a, a total bomb. It did nothing. But that is a gem. In the 1980s, this is one I didn't, pop singer. I didn't get a chance to look into, so I want to hear your uh, hear your take. I it's ah oh god, it's just another product of of uh, of the evolution of this and the 80s. You know, they're like, well, we need a female pop artist mm. to to take our our music to the next level, and um, we didn't really see a lot of output after that. You know, we didn't see a ton of things in the 90s i was trying to find something that i guess the muppets if we're going to give you know the manipulated virtual band uh, a category it would be a lot of that yeah but uh, it wasn't until like the 2000s that we started of course seeing um well i guess i will say this i did put this in my notes i the 90s was dominated by the gorillas and they started in the late 90s 1998 and they've had arguably the best career of them all. Uh, but before we get there, we need to talk about the early 2000s. And that is when we started start, starting to see international versions of these virtual bands that were more in the middle, not just way, way east or way, way west. And that's uh, with uh, 1T, French animated hip hop group. I was like, 
What a weird combo of things. This was one that I really I enjoyed the music. This was <laughs> oh, one of the you first listened ones. to a lot of of one T. Yeah, this was one of the first ones that really popped out to me, and I was like, on you know, I'm not going to say gorillas level, but something I could actually listen to, you know, after this podcast. Uh, What's your favorite song by one T? What what if you have to if you have to tell the good people? I did a one quick song. I did a quick run through, so I don't have one particular off the top of my head. Um, I just okay. blasted through a bunch of videos, but. They're just really interesting. Uh, it's a very unique kind of rough, gritty animation style. The characters are kind of puppety. Um, but it's it's hand-drawn. It's animated, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's not actual puppets like the puppets. No, the no, puppets. no. Yeah, but the characters have a puppety kind of cloth vibe to them almost. Oh, really? Uh, it was really like they're very unhuman. It was really... Hmm. This was the first one that really popped as something different also. Uh, you know, it wasn't following any sort of cookie cutter pattern. This one's kind of stood out on its own. And maybe that's just because it was it was French and from somewhere else. And they kind of went on their own tangent of this world. But I, I enjoyed this band. I, I thought this was this is this is one worth digging into fellow listeners. Hmm. I'm looking it up right now. I'm actually having a hard time finding a lot of uh, media dedicated to one T. That was. The, I want to see this puppet. Yeah, I want to see this puppet-like animation. The biggest thing I had in doing research for this was so much of this is very challenging to find, and I don't know why. But I had a hard time finding some of these bands even existing. I don't know if it's just because the names are similar to other things that are more popular now. But yeah, some of these bands I had a I had a heck of a time. Well, it's funny because it's funny you say that because I when I put that in to just like Google to like start looking at stuff while we've been talking, yeah, it uh, it came up with all of the 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 other well known things. It was Gorillas, Death Clock. It even oh, it even really? had Hatsune Miku. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, I was like, well, this is definitely not one T. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, and I God, I want to. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll just do it after the show. Fuck it. Yeah, it's it's um, really interesting. It's worth it's worth looking up because this it, it just it just popped out to me. And maybe that's why yeah. I liked it a little more is it was just something different. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and that leads us to uh, 2012's dark wave band from Russia, <laughs> Dvar, D-V-A-R. Um, did you get any did you get a chance to listen to some I, Dvar? I did. I listened to a little bit. Their music's pretty out there. I didn't hate it, though. I, I have a weird taste in music anyway, so I, I kind of dug yeah. it. I can't say it's going on to my daily playlist or anything, but it it's... is. He's just playing coy. It's definitely. <laughs> this is all I'm listening to now. He's obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the next uh, the next generation of things is where um, I I think we can really hash out because this is just like me doing a Google search uh, to look at some of the stuff I've been talking about. It uh, we um, this is where we're starting to hit the international not only critical acclaim but commercial success as well mm. and that starts with the um elite torrent chieftain <laughs> virtual rock band and world of warcraft as well as pentakill the mental band and league of legends and i mentioned this earlier and because this is technically a computer generated band a uh, virtual k-pop girl group called kda or k slash da however you do pronounce that and then uh true damage and riot and um this is where i did a lot of my listening as where as more of the modern contemporary stuff and it is just yeah like we've already talked about oozing with j-pop k-pop and it has very traditional song structure you have your your intro it, it, it's like this right it's it, how, let me let me break it down very simply <laughs> it's it's um basic intro very pop you know major chord uh verse sets sets of verse and choruses where there's almost like verses aren't even non-existent anymore it's just like right into the the chorus so you can sing along or learn it easily and then there'll be a bridge and almost nine times out of ten the bridge is some hip-hop some rap section (laughs) um and then they go back into the the chorus and and everything's very bright major chords shiny um, and it's always short and sweet, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. where they all they all sound the same. You know, they're very formulaic, very cookie cutter. 
Um, but I, again, they have their place in history, just like any any kind of sound. And this isn't easy to make. These are hard to make with the very polished production. Oh, yeah. Um, is it? Yeah. Is it groundbreaking? Is it progressive? Is it doing anything new? No, but it, it has its place in history. And I think for what it is, it's it's um, for lack of a better. It's it's fun. Right. It's fun. Let's let's expand. Yeah. The like when I saw when I would watch like videos, I watched a few videos of these like more contemporary stuff and definitely with Death Clock and Gorillas. And it looks fucking great. Like the animation is so smooth and fluid. And and they, you know, remember, they, they probably have a lengthy pre-production phase because they have to figure out the characters, who they want, how they want them to look and then and then who they are. Right. They have to create the, the mythos, the lore and the history. And it stood out to me with uh, Pentakill, the League of Legends metal band. Pentakill. That was one that, that really popped as well, because it's sometimes the video game character created things are not as clean and not quite as polished because they're using, you know, computer characters that are built in the game. But that one stood out to me as like this music is on point. These guys are have a clear goal to make a super high quality product. And I, I thought it was great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any popular Pentakill songs you want to promote for? for uh, yeah. Again, this was another one. I just kind of blew through you listening kind of to a over. bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. People between our day jobs are sometimes <laughs> night jobs doing pre-production production and pro- post-production for these shows. We don't, we don't get to, we don't get to listen to literally everything, even though we want to. We yeah. will, and, and knowing us, we will eventually. Right, you know, yeah. it'll like we'll be bored, and it'll be late at night. And we're like, oh, I want to put some Pentakill on for a while, <laughs> and we'll kind of dive into that. Which I, I think is a perfect segue to um, the two acts that are the most famous in the world, in my humble opinion. That we can spend a lot more time, and we'll probably spend the rest of this episode on talking about them and the, and the future and legacy of what this medium holds. And that is uh, the other metal band, Death Clock. It was made in the late 2000s uh, and worked through a lot of the early 2010s. It was created by Brendan Small and Tommy Blacha, Blacka. And it was uh, all the music or almost all the music is produced by Brendan Small as well. So I've been a big so full disclosure. I'm yeah, I'm a huge Death Clock fan as as um, nerdy as that is. But anyways, I've been a huge fan of Death Clock um, from really its inception. I was I was actually in college when they made it big. I've had the pleasure of seeing them twice. And this is where it all comes together. It's it's amazing um, history of characters. The show is great the actual songs if you if you listen to definitely death album one so they made three studio albums uh i think it's they're just called they're just numbered death album one two and three and one is like if you you know mind you people uh the good people out there this is like the closest thing i would call comedic metal because <laughs> the lyrics are kind of funny oh, yeah. but if you if you were to um replace those with just regular metal lyrics it would it's a very straightforward metal album so you know if you're not actually listening really closely to the words uh that he's singing um it is it's an excellent metal album on its own two feet and when they would do the shows they would do the shows where it would be perfectly synced up with a um a visual component so this big screen behind them and then the animated characters would be singing as uh brendan small and his um quartet a band of four were playing the music live and, and again this what an art right besides uh what uh Joe made a good point. The art itself is sometimes amazing because they have to animate all these things. And Death Clock is famous for actually animating a lot of real guitar solos. So every time, every little um, note being played, chord being played, uh, and finger picking, and etc. And uh, so you put that all together into a live production, and you have something that's really unique. And oh my god, they put so much work into this. <laughs> Death Clock is one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> the fact that Death Clock exists is awesome. Uh, for those of you that haven't watched the show Metalocalypse, yeah. it's brutal, but it's, but it's everything it's, you want. It's, it's, it's funny. Awesome. Yeah, it's Adult it's so Swim funny. kind of humor. Yeah. It's so funny. I actually own all of them. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually own all the albums too. Oh, that's And great. if they ever actually toured again, I would see them. I would, I'm so uh, jealous that you've gotten that. to see them live because that's that's on my bucket list. Yeah, Death Clock is one of those bands that it's hilarious. And all of their songs are silly and goofy and 
that for those that don't know, it's a metal band whose goal is to be the darkest, heaviest, most brutal metal band of all time. And they live up to that namesake <laughs> while being regular average Joes trying to figure out how to live their lives kind of at the same time. But they are Ooh, that's good. bazillionaires and can do whatever they want all the time. It's it's amazing. And it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's bonkers. It's bananas. It's so much fun. And that was a really good synopsis. Yes. I think a little background there was important because um, and then, yeah, they have this huge history inside the show as 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 the characters and in the world of Metalocalypse. And um, it, it's a shame. I don't know if you knew this history. I, I, I kept kind of following them throughout the years. They got canceled before they were uh, allowed uh, or had time to make like a final season or like a movie, something that was kind of wrap up oh, really? the show. Um, and, uh, but here's that's a little good news. That's what I like to do on our shows is as when I talk about something negative, I got to pull the rug out <laughs> because the HBO picked up, um, a possible, um, final, not a final season, probably a movie version of Metalocalypse, awesome. uh, to, um, to finalize the story and the world and everything that was built in the, the few seasons that were out. And so we may be seeing it uh, here in in the future. That's amazing. I love that. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. I hadn't heard that. So that's I'm so excited. That's very exciting because there's there's this underarching theme throughout the whole series of the show where the government is tracking Death Clock, everything they do, because they're so famous. They influence society and influence the government (laughs) and like. So there's this government agency, basically, they cut in after every performance and give an update on what their next plan is to keep Death Clock under control. And it's this huge overarching story that goes through the whole series. And And it's, yeah, it's poking fun at, um, it's, it's, this is what's fascinating about it on a, on a very fundamental level. So uh, on paper, it is not only poking fun at a lot of metal music tropes, but also living up to, uh, being an excellent musical metal band themselves. You know, obviously it, it's produced by one person pretty much, but, um, and om- almost all the music is, is written and performed. I've actually seen videos dedicated to this Brendan small playing, you know, thunder horse or, um, actually designing bass lines and then rhythm sections. And then his own, obviously his very famous guitar solos to go over that. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like this little microcosm of what, um, it's like a history lesson, right? Of what metal has become and um, not only being able to live up to what is obviously inspire, inspiring to him and aspirational, but also poking fun at, at it and, and, and saying that, okay, it's, it, it is, it has not only arrived this form of art metal music, but it is, you know, it's, it's gone so far that we can, that it has stereotypes dedicated to it. Right. right and we right. see all those in the show too, because there's, yeah, there's always these, Oh God, with the history and the lore, right? There's just so, I, I, we don't have time to talk about it in this episode. We'd have to do like a quick cut and just talk about like the, the three or four seasons or whatever it is of, of the Metalocalypse storyline uh, and plot and kind of go into that. Um, but yeah, if guys, if you haven't checked out that, and it's a D E T H K L O K that's death clock, one word. And um <laughs> to this day i will say this joe to this day that that very first album death album one is still one of my favorite metal albums i still listen to it to this day it's so Musta. great yeah <laughs> it's so great all the songs are so amazing that's that's one of the best things about this band it's just every single song is Something unique inside of your mother that thing was you <laughs> yeah i just i sometimes i think of yeah i um I'll just I'll just sing those lyrics or those intro pieces uh, just to myself. I mean, there's folks like coffee. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the track titles themselves are funny. Blood (laughs) Dracuted. So it's so brutal. It's just like comedically brutal. It's just dumb fun, right? Like if you if you uh, if you if you have time to kill and you want to um, just have fun and you like metal music, you'll have fun with Death Clock. Before we move on, I had a question, because you might yes. know the answer to this, because you're such a Ooh, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard all of the music for Death Clock, for the shows at least, before they started doing live stuff, he recorded way slower, like way under tempo, and then sped up for the show. 
Do you know if there's any validity to that? Ooh, I don't. That's a good question. But I do, I, I will say this. I do know that the history of metal players and metal music have actually done this for a long time. I think the most famous example is um, Masters of Puppets on the album Masters of Puppets. I think to get everything sounding so perfectly, so everything's so tight, you know, like, and it's a very, I mean, in hindsight, it doesn't, you probably heard it so many times, it doesn't sound complicated, but remember they had to construct that from the ground up right, and making right. sure where all the little stops were, all the little, you know, crashes were, every, all the little stops and, and starts and uh, into different parts of, of the composition, uh, you know, they had to write all that out meticulously. And um, when they recorded it, I, I have read that they recorded it a little slower and then they sped it up for the album to make it the, at the tempo they wanted. So I, huh. I I guess what I'm saying in that tangent is it's not far-fetched. That probably is accurate. Yeah, that was just one of those random rumors I heard. And I know you're a huge fan. Well, it's not, um, you know, I feel like it's 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 a, it's a not a secret or you call it open secret. Uh, metal Metal bands do this all the time. You know, because they they know they want they want a sound, you know, that's that's the beauty of a studio album versus live performances is you can make this little package of music, you know, what's in your mind and you and we have all these tools now. Right. We have pro tools and um, all these production techniques and all these, you know, um, midis and all these things to really manipulate and change anything you could possibly think of into the vision that's in your head. And with metal music using traditional instrumentation, it's fascinating that they, they know, I think in their head, they're like, Oh, we really want it. I think it will be really great at this tempo. But if we actually play it at this tempo and record it, it's going to, we're going to mess up. It's going right, to sound muddy. Right. <laughs> so let's, let's record it at a slower tempo and then speed it up in post. Um, so yeah, there that you makes go. Sense. All right. Yeah. So that leads us to um, the one and only the most famous act, in my humble opinion, our humble oh. opinion, and the, the Gorillas. Uh, it was created by Blur's Damon Albarn, as already stated, and Tank Girl's Jamie Hewlett. It's produced by the Deltons 3030s Dan the Automator. And it, they have uh, where to begin. I will uh, <laughs> let's begin with the story. I'll never forget seeing Clint Eastwood, the video and hearing the song for the very first time when I was a young kid. And it came it was it was when MTV still played fucking music. And they um, it was on. But it was like on the like the there was always like these really late shows dedicated to music right, videos, right. like 120 minutes and stuff. And I'll never forget seeing it for the very first time and being captivated and i felt like i was one of the first people to hear it you know like in the world for the very first time that's how i felt and it was definitely in my in my orbit so all my friends i was like guys you gotta check this out it's really cool and um i hate to be one of those people that is you know always jokes like yeah well i i i I found them before (laughs) the rest of the world found them but i but i did in this case and um and then they blew up like clint eastwood you know and 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 this is um you know not only this is we got to play the game again a little bit of the chicken and the egg right. of um, not only I mean I do think the chicken and the egg for the art is I think Damon probably had a vision for some music he wanted to do that was not quite not quite fitting into Blur and so he wrote all this music and then the characters probably came after that's my theory uh, but also the impact of the sound itself like did he so my question for you Joe to to pass it back is you know, do you think he was listening to the J-pop and K-pop stuff of that era? And he kind of, um, because it it really is this perfect um, blueprint, if you will, for pop music, but with hip-hop elements and vice versa, and then and then genre bending. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because I, I actually listened to a couple interviews with some members of the Gorillas, and he talked, this got kind of brought up on those interviews, and it sounded more just like a it definitely i think the music came first for sure and he just wanted to take a little creative outlet he'd been with blur for a while and they'd been doing tours and i think he just had some other creative ideas he needed to get out and blur wasn't the band to do that with him so he just started writing and making all this music i think he also wanted to venture away from being like the front man of a group because that has its own personal challenges and so I think that's where the idea of creating all the animation came from. And yeah, it's it was just a massive creative output that 
blew up. And it massively. really landed. It you know, hit so hard. It was perfect. If you guys don't know this, they've made seven studio albums. Crazy. They've they've traveled the world as the gorillas. And they they I've seen I've seen some I've never personally seen them live, but I've seen like YouTube, you know, um yeah, concerts yeah. of them performing. And it's it's there is an imp- there's less of an emphasis on, you know, them pairing up the music perfectly with, you know, this visual component of like, you know, the animated band playing it like Death Clock, where it was just like Damon and his backing band playing the music that they wrote right. and that they would have the animated stuff in these big monitors behind them. But it was just kind of like it was like a second thought, really, you know, and the, and the first thing in their concerts is them, the band, you know, yeah. playing and performing. And it was interesting uh, hearing him talk about that because being a front man from Blur, like he's the center of attention the entire show. And he talked about the first time they went on tour and were playing behind a screen because they they would play behind like a mesh screen and it would be backlit. Um, They would do tours like that. And um, he said there were tons of times he just wanted to take a knife and chop a big hole in the screen and pop his head out and sing some (laughs) of the songs just to get that attention. He's like that took some major adjusting as an artist. Uh, yeah, and it's um, it's yeah, it's crazy to see their evolution. I mean, they've uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, feel good. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that song, I feel good, incorporated. My story about there. that song when we first heard that, it was on one of the now, you know, the now that's all music. Oh man, CDs. the nows. Oh god, I don't know which that, one. It that was. makes us feel old. It yeah, was, yeah, it was probably number three or four or 10 or 11 i have no idea okay but it was it was on one of those albums and my cousin had it and we went on a vacation you know to visit him we were there for a week and we probably listened to feel good inc about a thousand times we just looped it and rocked out it's it's that song man it's that it's so easy to this day i meant when i was listening when i was when i was on my virtual bands spotify playlists and that came up i was like oh god there's this there's this (laughs) something what this is what i love just a little tangent on music in and of itself this is what i love about music as an art form is it can be so timeless a great song can be played at any time and you're gonna like it oh yeah and feel good is one of those that's still pumping on alt radios across the country you know, yeah, what is killing. it now at this point? Almost 20 years later? Uh, I don't know the exact timeline uh, deficit there, but it, but yeah, that sounds right. That sounds, yeah, it's 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 old. It's an old song now. It's, uh, but it's Sorry. still, it's still fun. It's still great. <laughs> and even, I mean, like, um, I feel like, you know, and he definitely had his formula and his lane and how he liked to write. I would still say it's very, like, you know, famous examples like, Pink Floyd or or Prince or anytime you hear them or Bowie or whoever, like they sound like them. They have that signature sound. They created a sound and then they sound like that in a lot of their albums. And I feel like even though um, someone like the Gorillas has touches of K-pop and J-pop and other things like that, it, even when I when I listen to something different back to back with the Gorillas, Gorillas still has that signature Gorillas sound, which I like. Yeah. So they still have that signature sound. And probably from, I want to say 2001 to 2011 is where I could probably take out a song from any album and put it anywhere and it would still work. And then after that, they got really experimental. They would still kind of do their slower ballads and fun pop songs. But um, I remember hearing, a, I think, a few songs on their last last album or two and it got like really 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 experimental i was shocked we were going in these directions yeah that's one really unique thing about the gorillas versus a lot of these other groups we've talked about is they they did their pop era their couple pop albums where they got really all their hits i think and then they just branched out so hard and i i think they started to get a little more political is not the right term but a little more cautious of their message maybe Mm. and i think they started getting a little more you know everything has to have a meaning and you know this whole album has to convey a certain message and i think that might have led to some of the experimentation and kind of branching out from just the the pop hits you know what i mean sure yeah no i i i guess the point is like any great um musical act uh there's still an evolution there it took them about a decade to really start to play with sounds way out of their comfort zone but they they did and um i love i love when musicians evolve into a place that maybe they never expected themselves to go so um 
I don't <laughs> gorillas isn't a deep cut. <laughs> I don't have to say check out the gorillas, guys. Yeah, uh, that's not a deep cut. I know the gorillas. <laughs> I think you already know them. But more importantly is uh, what they represent. And that is the virtual band. So let's uh, let's bring this guy home, Mr. Joe, and tell the good people why if they haven't got into these kind of acts, why why they should. Um, these groups are a very unique they hold a very unique place in the musical world because they, or the artistic world, I guess, because the, the music a lot of times can stand alone, but adding this entirely new element that other bands, most bands in the world don't have with the art and the animation is just, it's an amazing thing and it's an amazing combo. And when they get it right, they get it right. And it's, it's fantastic. And what do you and what do you think the future holds for this medium? As virtual reality picks up, I think that's going to be huge. Like we spoke about a little bit earlier, um, I'll be honest. I don't know if it's going to change a lot from what's well, already what's if, out like, there. I don't know. I feel I feel like the the possibilities are limitless. What's if we could go into VR or AR, augmented reality, mm. and and be the characters? Like, what's if we chose to be the ah, characters? Yeah, that would or, be interesting. Yeah. Or, you know, having they're creating these worlds where we could interact with them. You know, I feel like I feel like we could really play with these things and what the what the concept of the metaverse could be in the future and what something like this medium music and animation um, would would come out. I, I, I yeah, I, to me, like the 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 possibilities are limitless. I think it's definitely going to keep evolving and. You know, we didn't even touch on movies at all, but animated movies and all their bands and singing is now yeah, there's a lot of that. You yeah. know, like Trolls, for example, is one that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> Just as my my favorite, one of my <laughs> I'm classic. Um, but that kind of stuff is is never going to stop. But it'll yeah. be really interesting. There'll to see always the be future. a market for that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where bands take this because people are just getting more and more creative, and now there's so many thousands of more people creating music i think we'll i think we'll see some interesting growth in this this area indubitably so there you have it guys virtual bands from past present and future i want to thank you for listening i want to thank joe for being my guest co-host today and i have to tell you of course before we go you know, we got a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gem of the week. If you don't know what the gem of the week is, it's essentially something we like to talk about here in our show, but it may not always fit into the, you know, fit perfectly into the scheme of the episode. It's sometimes, you know, on our radar in the last day, last week, sometimes month, but we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Today's gems, however, have a sponsor. Our gems today are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. So uh, a little background here is we had a fairly lengthy pre-production phase before we got these shows off the ground. I mean, we tried everything, different hardware, different software, but eventually we landed on Zencaster as the most reliable remote podcast recording option. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud, so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai slash art of the beholder to get started today. That's zen.ai slash art of the beholder, or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro accounts. Now back to the gym. So my gym is um, very close to Joe's heart. And that is with his band. I, we needed to promote his uh, his one of his. He has many musical offerings, but one of them is Daydream. Daydream is God. I I was I I will start with this, Joe. I was really <laughs> surprised. I didn't yep. know exactly what I was going to expect, and it's uh, it's I think almost entirely instrumentals, except for I think a, a track or two on the second album. But it's everything from rock to jazz to avant garde to funk to I mean, there's elements of jam band musicality, musicality in it. And um, I just I really, really loved it. Who's um, who's the um, who's the main lead in Daydream? Maybe we can plug him. Yeah. Daydream is a passion project of Riley Day is his name. 
and um, everybody met in college for this band, and it was basically just a bunch of jazz musicians that wanted to get together and play, and Riley was writing this crazy music, but it was really difficult music, so he had to get some of the best musicians he could find to play, and I I actually joined the band uh, two years after its formation as a percussion player, so most of the time I'm playing bongos and shakers and tambourine and Oh, yeah. Anything I can find to smack with my hands and add some magic. There you go. And I will say this, uh, guys, when you look up Daydream, so uh, unfortunately, if you just put Daydream into like Spotify <laughs> or something, you're going to get a million hits of of different things. Yeah. So make sure you know these albums. It's always on my mind. And most recently, Squiggle. Really great. God, it, I can't really put one genre on it yeah it's jazz yeah, we, and punk and rock and avant-garde jazz, and, and it's I, like everything i i like to describe it when i tell people as face melting jazz Ooh, I because like the music is so out there one track in particular on this album uh which one um i believe is it, it on is, always on my mind or squiggle it is on squiggle um, so tip my tongue, peaches, sassy lady, one of these has a saxophone S- solo. Smooth white butter, the last S- track. S M O O V E W I K E B U T T A. Smooth white butter. Butter, like butter. <laughs> uh, it's got like a butter. saxophone solo that is so distorted and twisted electronically. It it's just it's face. This is that, you know, this is um, you know, a daydream is a perfect uh act to to promote on this show because this is a perfect example of there's so much great music and great artists out there that just haven't broken through right yeah and um you know if you want to check them out i think you guys primarily play in the kansas area correct wichita kansas yep yeah we're located in wichita kansas um so we've we play all around wichita um we get up to kansas city every once in a while we play in emporia we played in topeka um we're planning a trip down to austin texas this summer um the june 24th range so um, keep an eye out for that if you're in Austin, Texas, and want to come check out this band. It's crazy, cool, man. Yeah, we you know we already talked about the fact that you know Justin Bieber and Billie Eilish are huge, huge fans of our show, and uh, like any already established artist, they have management, they have other people. So, guys, check out Daydream if you like them. Help them get to the next level. Jesus, please, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I got one more quick gem, and then I'm going to give Joe the floor. Uh, so, Brendan Small of again, remember Death Clock um fame he writes he sometimes writes his um solo acts and it's kind of like if you want a spirit if you didn't get enough death clock with one two and three they have spiritual successors with his solo work and that's through the uh he only i think only has two albums out on spotify and it's called galacticon one and two check them out joe what do you got for us i haven't heard of that i'll have to check that one out too yeah um, I've got one other quick little plug for another project I'm in, a band called Bold Wine, B-O-L-D-W-I-N-E. We've got one album out on Spotify, and we just dropped our B-Sides album, some of the stuff that just didn't make it on the first one. Uh, I play drums in that band. It's another passion project of my buddy Bryce Weinberg. So give that a look. That's not my gem of the week, though. My gem of the week is the television show Rick and Morty. Okay, we haven't talked about Rick and Morty, I think, ever on the show. Maybe a little bit, but yeah, give it to us. One of the greatest animated shows of all time. It is a futurist. If you've never seen it, it's kind of a sci-fi animation show. It's raunchy. It's an Adult Swim um, as well. So it's it's raunchy, and it's about a alcoholic grandfather and his (laughs) grandson, and the grandfather is Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. That's Rick and Morty. That is Rick and Morty. And Rick is a super genius. He's one of the smartest people in the universe. And he is just a mad scientist. And every episode, they go on some crazy adventure to another dimension or something like that. But this show is written so geniusly. And they dive into really deep scientific conversations but also moral conversations that come Mm. from you know multiverse discussions um and so there's there's an entire citadel of ricks where ricks from hundreds of thousands of universes come together to improve their lives and 
it's it's just a fascinating show. Uh, there's about five seasons, I think, out right now. They just released the new one recently. Um, and it's it's one of those shows you can watch a hundred times, catch something different every time, and it's 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 just great. It's it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my go tos. And if you haven't watched it, seriously check it out. Uh, it's got great music as well, and that's one thing I love about the show is they use the music really well. Uh, it's super impactful. It, they use it to drive a lot of the story. They kind of have a virtual band to tie it all together. Uh, there's Ooh, a couple yeah. episodes where Rick and Morty it. perform. Um, there's an episode where they go to Earth is abducted by uh, an alien race who does a planet-wide singing competition, American Idol style. And if you don't win, they blow up your planet. And Rick and Morty are the ones tasked by the president to perform for this show. So That is, oh my God, that is great. Okay, it's, well. It's if amazing. You- I love it. Yeah, if you haven't checked out Rick and Morty, please do so. And again, guys, thank you for listening. If you like that, you can always check out our stuff at underscore Novo underscore Day and Days DE and at Nova Day Media. You can, of course, check out our website, NovoDayProductions.com, where you'll find things like The Entropy Sessions, Post Meridium Adulteration, Cancel Culture Lotto, a lot more to come. Of course, you'll see an ad for this podcast as well. And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and hit the notification bell if you're listening to this on youtube you can of course comment um whatever you want yeah we'll take it write and review and of course if you'd like to sponsor our little love child here you can reach us at novadaymedia at gmail.com so until next time be good to each other and as always good luck and godspeed we love you art of the beholder is brought to you by novoday productions created and hosted by novoday and the novoday collective facebook.com slash novodaymedia at novodaymedia on twitter and instagram Music by A Company, facebook.com slash acomusic123, aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.